0: Okay, welcome back to Reading for a Change, a podcast from Moody Publishers, where we take a, an inside look at the books transforming our lives and shaping the world. This is episode three, and we're going to be talking about unsaved Christians. And I hope you can hear the, the tension in that phrase, <laughs> An unsaved how can someone be a Christian and be unsaved? We'll unpack that in a moment but first let me uh well reintroduce our co-host for the first season uh, and then our guest as well um hannah anderson is a best-selling author of a lot of books including made for more humble roots her latest book is all that's good and it's a book about the art of discernment uh hannah welcome back
1: it is great to be back with you drew and i do want to put an asterisk by that Introduction. Oh, please. Um, You said I was a best selling author. I I don't know that that's the case, but my kids and I have figured out that at this point it is good enough to be a selling author. So I'll take that. So Hannah Anderson is a selling author.
0: Uh, yes, I, I I should have qualified that perhaps, but it's all relative. But I'll tell you what I work at Moody. I see the numbers, and I'm telling you, you're selling really well. So
1: well, wow, that's good to hear.
0: <laughs> congratulations! Yeah, um, I do have to ask you a question too. Okay, so I saw something online. Um, there were some pictures of these cookies. I don't know who made the cookies, whether it's you or someone else, but they had. Like the design from your your latest book, All That's Good, on the cookies. Yes. Can you tell me yes. the story?
1: Well, this that? is first, I want to say this is definitive proof that women's retreats are better than men's retreats because those cookies um, were made by a baker for a women's retreat that I'm going to go speak at this weekend. Um, so there you go. We get cookies Amazing. for our books. It's great, it, it's just, it's wonderful.
0: I've been at a lot of men's retreats, no no book cookies, I can tell you that much. And I loved what you said. You had some kind of comment about how some people are gastronomic learners. Yes,
1: right. So yeah, there's I all these different that. learning styles. You know, there's oral and kinesthetic and verbal. And apparently some of us are gastronomic learners where <laughs> we need to have full tummies in order to learn well.
0: <laughs> I think I'm a gastronomic learner, and I realize that Maybe I've been doing it wrong all these years, listening to lectures and reading books. I really need now, to get. Now, see, back there's to
1: something we could start. We could get ahead of the curve here. Okay. <laughs> I think so. It's got we potential. do like monthly installments of food that has some kind of philosophical or theological angle to it, and we'll, we'll ship out these boxes. It'll be like the marriage of like publishing and. Um, Blue Apron, right? So you'll get your box of food with a book, and then you can learn these deeper truths while you eat your wonderful food.
0: Talk about a holistic experience. I think that's a billion dollar idea. Um, Well before we get into that any further, let me introduce our guest. Um, I don't know if he's a gastronomic learner or what, uh, but Dean and Sarah is, is joining us. Dean is the founding pastor of City Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, And he is um, a moody author as well. Uh, His book is The Unsaved Christian, Reaching Cultural Christianity with the Gospel. Dean, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, it's great to be with you. I don't think I'm a gastronomic learner. I think I'm a gastronomic (laughs) lifer.
0: It's kind of my favorite (laughs) hobby, so that perks my interest. (laughs) But all of life
1: is for learning, right?
0: There it is. There you go. (laughs) There you go. I love it. Uh, And yeah, you're in Florida. So every time I see a a story in the news about, you know, that starts with Florida man does something crazy, usually, like rides an alligator to work or something like that, I think that could be Dean. He's down there. So you never know.
2: Hey, that's our our mission field, Florida man.
0: (laughs) There you go, Florida man. I love it. That's your demographic. Um, So yeah, so let me just, first of all, before I get into the the meat of the book, I, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of an unsaved Christian. For people that listened to our last episode, uh, episode two, we, um, they, they might get a little bit of whiplash because uh, for the last episode, we were talking to Mark Sayers, who is an author and pastor from Australia, and we were talking to him about the, the prospects for revival in post-Christian contexts, so places like Australia. Uh, Europe, which is clearly post-Christian, and increasingly some areas in the United States as well. And there's been a ton written about that topic, and, and we have a lot of literature um, about talking to people who are atheists or agnostics, uh, and that's all very important, obviously. Um, but sometimes we lose sight of the fact that there are a ton of cultural Christians out there. There are huge swaths of this country that that where it is still sort of uh, culturally advantageous to identify as a Christian, and yet, uh, not to get too judgy, but we know that some of these folks need the gospel uh, as well. Um, So anyway, that's why I'm excited about this topic. Um, But let me jump into it. So Dean, you you must have gotten some heat for the title of this book, (laughs) The Unsaved Christian. So can you just explain to listeners how in the world can someone be an unsaved Christian?
2: Well, it's really simple when we actually explain it, and that's that there's many people across the United States who, if you ask them, would claim to be a Christian. And by Mm -hmm. that, they simply mean they're not an atheist, and they're not Jewish, or maybe a member of one of the world's large religions, and they're a good person. And again, they just believe in God. But when I read the scriptures, I don't see that as a saving faith. Notice in my answer to why someone would say they're a Christian, that I didn't even mention the name of Jesus. You can identify as a Christian in the United States without any recognition of Jesus and his work on the cross and his resurrection whatsoever. Uh, so that's where the name unsaved Christian came from. It's people who would claim to be Christians if asked, but the reason for doing so is not a saving
0: faith in any way, shape, or form. Right. I think we've all run into folks like this. They kind of like, are you a Christian? Yeah, yeah. My grandma was Baptist or, you know,
2: <laughs> something oh, yeah. like that. heritage is one of the biggest barriers to reaching an unsaved Christian.
0: Right. Wow.
1: And one of the things I think that's so hard for us is we may know the language of a nominal Christian, right? So sometimes we'll hear in name only people nominal Christian, but we tend to associate that maybe with like mainline churches. Um, But what we really have to grapple with is that sometimes there's kind of within evangelicalism, even there's an unsaved Christian. There, There is a place for kind of nominalism even within um, the churches that we would be more familiar with.
0: Oh, that's striking a little closer to home. Yeah, go ahead, Dean. Yeah, well, we're not talking about immature Christians. We're
2: not talking about people who just need discipleship. And the biggest case I try to make is that what's made us frustrated for so long about nominal Christians, a lot of pastors, uh, a lot of church leaders get frustrated when it comes to their ministries and just how maybe these people we call nominal or cultural Christians just don't seem to get it. And I think what makes us so frustrated is we've identified them improperly. because we've thought the answer all along is that there's a discipleship issue in front of us. These folks just need to get it together, get more serious about Jesus, get more involved in the church. And what I'm saying about unsaved Christians is, no, 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 this is not a discipleship issue. This is an evangelism issue. We're not talking about immature Christians need to grow. We're talking about people who think they're Christians and simply are not because they define their faith apart from Jesus Christ.
1: So now let me clarify that. I love what you're saying about this distinction between evangelism versus just prodding someone or encouraging someone toward greater maturity in their faith. Um, When you have this category of unsaved Christian in your mind, are you thinking, um, you know, the person who just claims Christianity doesn't show up in church at all? Or is there a feature of some kind of maybe— Once a month attendance. I mean, I know you can't like box people in, but would there be religious practices that people would adopt um, even while they're unsaved Christians?
2: Yes, but those religious practices aren't very tied to church anymore uh, because somewhere down the line, we bought into the rhetoric that you can have church anywhere. You don't need to be in a building or be with people on a Sunday morning uh, that you need. And you can have church on the boat on the golf course. I don't know who made that up. That's a common uh, thing to say nowadays. So people genuinely believe you can be a Christian apart from the local church, which that's a whole other conversation for a whole other time. <laughs> but what I believe uh, we see, I guess, in terms of religious practices of cultural Christians, again, people who are not Christians, but think they are, not that I'm a judge of who is and who isn't, but the Bible is. That's uh, so what the Bible would classify as a saving faith. We see people maybe who will still pray sometimes before a meal, especially if they're at their grandparents' house, somewhere along that line. Uh, people who on maybe patriotic holidays might give some kind of hat tip towards God, or people who, when things go very poorly, will reach out to someone ask them to keep their grandfather in their thoughts or something along those lines. But the religious practices connected Uh, to unsaved Christians that are just not very prominent or very common anymore. But the issue is, all along the way, these people, if you ask them, would still say that they are Christians.
0: Wow. Yeah, and that that presents a challenge, obviously. I wanted to ask a question a little more about um, this mission field of unsaved Christians. And early in the book, you tell a story, which I just loved, about moving um, after seminary and how one of your friends was going to California to minister um, and how that was kind of a clarifying moment for you? Can you tell that story to listeners? Yeah, I
2: had a moment of what I call missional insecurity. Missional insecurity is kind of <laughs> like when you're when you're in high school and all your friends are going to Haiti to work in an orphanage for spring break, and you're going to Panama City, and you know in Florida. <laughs> and so that's kind of how I felt. I felt like he was going to an orphanage for a spring break, and I was like going on a cruise. That's how I really felt because uh, he was going to Northern California, and I was going to my hometown, which is only about ten miles from the Georgia border. And about a less than an hour drive to Alabama. So much Bible Belt element in this area of North Florida where I'm from. So I just mentioned that to him that I admired what he was doing, thought it was really great. He was taking his family out to Northern California, so secular, not a lot of churches. And he cut me off and said, What do you man, what are you talking about? He said, Where you're going in Florida is more difficult than where I'm going. And I'm not here to debate which place is more difficult because I think the enemy is everywhere and everywhere is hard. It just looks different. But I looked at him, I said, What do you mean? And he said, where I'm going in Northern California, there's very little confusion about who's a Christian and who is not. Mm. He said, where you're going, there's so much confusion. Everyone thinks that they're a Christian. It's almost like you have to get someone lost, he said, in order for them to actually be saved. There's no clear starting point here. And that's what makes it such a difficult and underrated mission field. And I actually believe it's the largest mission field in America. It might look different in other parts of the country than the Bible Belt, But there's still this idea of cultural Christianity. If you go to different places across the country, in very few places are the majority of the people atheists or agnostics. The data is just not there. Yes, it's growing. Yes, the nuns indicate no religion is rising. We hear that all the time, and it's true. But still, the majority of the people will not indicate. They're very few places. They're atheists or agnostics. What are they instead? They're generic and vague theists. It's not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Cultural Christianity extends far beyond the Bible belt. But I needed that conversation to realize where I was going, there was a significant need. And it was for people who are just as lost as the person who's a secularist on the West Coast. They just had, just looks different for them they use some Christian language and aren't hostile or indifferent towards it.
0: Wow. Yes. So what, what's the hardest part when it comes to a conversation about the gospel, about your faith? with an unsaved Christian? Well, a few
2: things. Uh, The first most difficult aspect of a conversation, again, these things sound really strange because on the surface level, they're actually good things, but they become barriers. The first one is belief. So I might say, why are you talking about being a Christian? I believe in God. Like, why are we having this conversation? Uh, So that's going to be a barrier in itself. Uh, The next one I think is morals. Uh, People really believe they're great people. And the reason they believe that is because they're comparing themselves to other human beings rather than comparing themselves to God. Uh, So they think they're great people because they just live by the moral standards of 2019 suburban America. So they're great people. Uh, Another thing is heritage makes it difficult where uh, there's kind of this idea of rites of passage in the Protestant faith. Uh, The things that many are very critical uh, towards their Catholic friends for. We kind of practice ourselves in the way we might view an infant baptism or a immersion baptism or simply church attendance or whatever it might be, that kind of heritage, this is your grandma, she's the most godly person ever. Uh, so we're Christians, we're a Christian family kind of idea. And then the fourth one, honestly, is just ignorance. That's my own personal story, uh, where I went to church every Sunday unless we were sick or out of town. I could have told you about David and Goliath and Noah's Ark and Jonah and the big fish, uh, but I never had anyone actually tell me I was a sinner who needed to be saved. Hmm. Uh, Jesus was just an example I needed to follow. He taught us how to love. I knew he died on a cross, but it was never made personal. Uh, it was just kind of this generic thing he did for everybody as some sort of symbol of sacrifice. I never actually was told in my mainline Protestant church growing up that I needed to be saved from my sins and that Jesus was the only one who could provide that. And so it was just an ignorance thing for me. Again, I would have told you if I was a Christian, and by that I meant I went to church, I wasn't Jewish or Muslim, I wasn't an atheist, and I was a pretty good person from a good family. But that that had been my reasoning for why I think I'm a Christian.
0: Yeah, I can see why. These conversations can be a little awkward, because you're talking to someone who goes, hey, we're on the same team, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian too. Um, and then somewhere along the line, uh, you have to um, confront them. Where So, how do you do that? How do you confront them with the truth of the gospel, uh, and in the nicest but clearest way possible, maybe uh, point out the fact that they don't have this saving relationship with Jesus?
2: Well, it's very offensive to suggest to someone who's claimed to be a Christian their entire life they might not be. Exactly. Uh, so, of course, the first instinct, uh, the first response, is going to be that you know that person's judgmental. Or who do you hear you to say these things? Uh, and again, that's a fair question when you come out of the gate with that. Uh, so, what I try to do is I just try to ask good questions. Uh, like I'll, I might say to a friend over you know over coffee or over lunch, I might say, "Hey, we talk about everything else. We talk about football. We talk about politics. We talk about movies. Our family." I've noticed we never really actually talked about faith before, you know, and I've seen you at church once or twice, so I kind of assume you're a Christian, I kind of give that benefit of the doubt, even though I kind of know they're not, so I guess it's kind of dishonest, but oh well. And <laughs> and, in, and in the conversation, I, I might say, I realized i never talked about faith before, tell me your story, like how how did you come about being a Christian, like like how, what, what makes you, I'm, I'm just curious, I've never heard your story about you know, believing in Jesus, and just something that simple, you'd be shocked at the responses. I and mean, you will get the most mumbo-jumbo. We're not trying to put anybody on trial or back into a wall. I'm not talking about that. Just a basic question about, hey, tell me your story. And I'm not asking for a sermon or anything like that or a perfectly articulated you know, testimony with great theology. Just how'd you become a believer? And you'll just get these cultural Christian answers that have nothing to do with Jesus. They might not even bring Jesus up. And that opens the door for a big conversation, again, a great conversation, hopefully. And here's what you have to realize is that cultural Christians believe the only difference between themselves and someone who actually is a Christian is just that person's just really, really religious. That's just how they view it. Right. They're just like really into church kind of thing. Like I'm a Christian too, but they're, man, Drew's really religious. You know, <laughs> Hannah, she's really into church. Well, that's just how they would see it. And they don't think that's a bad thing. They just see that you're kind of like a little bit extreme
0: in their opposite.
2: And that's the only disconnect they see.
0: Yeah, you've taken it too far. You're just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's, yeah, and I can imagine um, when you ask them a question like that, uh, the answer can be very revealing. Uh, one tip I love that you share in the book is you talk about uh, lovingly ask frustrating questions. Um, and I'm wondering, can you share, uh, you've already shared one, um, but what are some of those those frustrating questions that you can ask them that might reveal where they're truly at?
2: Hey, we were at your house for dinner last week, uh, you know, and man, we love Christmas and you guys do too. And I noticed there's a nativity scene on your mantle. I didn't know you guys were we're Christian people. <laughs> why is there why is there a nativity scene on on your mantle? You know, I might ask questions like, "What now?" Y'all are going to Easter service. That's really awesome. I didn't know you guys were Christians. That's, that's really cool. Do you guys do you guys go to church regularly? <laughs> Just conversations like that. Yeah. Again, again, not gotcha questions. And again, we have got to we have to become more concerned that someone is far from God. Than we do, it might be awkward or come across offensive. Oh yeah, and we've been we become so obsessed and even apologetic uh, with any conversations about th- that might be awkward or offensive that we think that's the greatest value is to not be awkward or offensive. And it's like, where did we get this from? This idea, and and, and it's it's really troubling.
0: You're right. I mean, I like what you said earlier about. You know, you're talking to someone that you suspect is maybe a cultural Christian, and you say to them, hey, we talk about everything else. We talk about sports. We talk about family, life, even politics. You know, they say that never bring up and play company, religion, and politics. People are bringing up religion all the time. <laughs> but in my experience, the, the one taboo is you don't talk about faith. Um, and so, no, I think, I think you're right on there. Okay, let's uh, save a little for part two of this discussion, thanks to both of you again for a truly enlightening conversation. Uh, we learned about all kinds of things, including gastronomic learners, and of course the phenomenon of unsaved Christians. There's still a lot to talk about, though, so join us for part two of this discussion of unsaved Christians. We're gonna we're gonna get a little more practical looking at how can you deprogram cultural Christianity, and some silly stuff too, including how to properly confess to the plants in your life. So thanks for joining us, and until next time, keep reading.